Did you know that on our website, KLWN.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card too. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. All right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320-KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. Derek Johnson, new co-host alert, Nick Springer, joins me. Hello. Nick, glad to have you here on RCST. Why don't you, uh, I guess, go ahead and we'll, we'll introduce you to the RCST community here. So, KU grad, yep. um, recently were at University of Incarnate Word doing broadcasting and stuff there. Um, originally from Kansas? Yes, yes. Originally from Wichita. Okay, so Wichita coming up here. Um, uh, anything I'm missing there? Anything you want to add? Uh, from Wichita, lifelong KU, Kansas City sports fan. Uh, came to KU, obviously. Spent some time at the uh, – got a journalism degree – and did broadcasting with KU, worked with KJHK, the student station, and then I continued my broadcasting career down in San Antonio, but always with the goal in the back of my mind to return to Kansas. I, I love KU. I love Kansas City. My family's from Kansas. This is kind of where I always wanted to be, so uh, it seemed like the right fit for me to come back and have the opportunity to, to do what I love and, and to co-host with you, Derek, and I'm, I'm very honored to be here and excited to talk about the things that I love, KU and Kansas City sports. Cool. Well, we're excited to have Nick. It's always awkward when you introduce someone and you're like, tell me about yourself. It's like when you're in one of those like, you know, circles, you have a, a classroom and everybody's like, all right, we're going to play the uh, the game. Everybody tell me a fun fact about yourself. And it's yeah. always like, eh, do we have to? Unfortunately, I did not prepare a fun fact. <laughs> no. Sorry. That's my bad. Uh, I don't think I really have any fun facts either. That was always Man. like, it was like, oh, my favorite color is blue. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Yeah. Kansas DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, all new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KLWN. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. I actually uh, just went up to Iowa this past weekend to get some futures bets in because I don't know if the, the sports betting will be in time for the start of the college football season. And but I imagine a day where I'll be able to make all my bets on the seat of my couch at home just on a mobile app, and that's coming soon, and you can do it with DraftKings and get free money to do it. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code KLWN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KLWN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per customer, $100 issued as four free $25 bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void where prohibited. Ends first day. DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at dkng.co slash ks. Chiefs opened up preseason play on Saturday, taking on the Chicago Bears. Fortunate enough that the crummy field that was in place for Chicago didn't lead to any you know, non-contact injuries. Obviously, Blake Bell had a, a hip injury, which... I don't know if that would have much to do with uh, the bad field or anything, but you know, about as clean of a first drive as you could have asked for for the Chiefs. Um, Eleven play drive. You had the big throw from Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Uh, there were six different receivers who caught a pass in the first drive, and that didn't even include some of the big names who are going to be catching passes along the way of the season with Juju Smith-Schuster, with Jet McKinnon at the running back spot, with Sky Moore who got all his work with the uh, second strings. And then even you have like Justin Watson and Darius Fountain making impressive plays with the backup units. Like you feel comfortable where you're at with the depth and and with really everyone one through six in that receiver core. That's going to kind of be the theme of this offense this year. It's going to be spreading the ball around. It's going to be hitting different targets. They don't have the Tyreek Hill. And obviously you expect Travis Kelsey to be that, you know, kind of top receiver there. But in terms of the, the actual receivers, not including the tight ends, um, it's, I think, just going to be kind of a, a spreading of that game, and I don't look too much into the idea that, oh, well, Juju Smith-Schuster didn't catch a pass. He's not going to be the number one receiver now. I don't really know who is going to be the number one guy, but I don't really think it matters. I think it's going to be kind of just a, uh, I, I guess, <laughs> communist type of approach, kind of just... You know, everybody gets a little bit of something. I don't know why I couldn't think of a better word than that. I'm, I'm going to be honest, Derek. I could not be less concerned about the Chiefs' offense. Mm-hmm. I think they are going to be very fine. Andy Reid is an offensive savant. I have no doubt that he's going to be able to work things out. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, we know what, what he can do with the ball. Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, the one season he was kind of forced to be a bona fide number one in Pittsburgh. He wasn't very good. But he had Big Ben throwing him the ball. I mean, he's got Mahomes now, so I'm not really concerned about that either. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. I expect. I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a great season. I think he's poised to have a huge season. Uh, you know, people maybe are kind of forgetting about him with the Tyreek news and how Tyreek is leaving, and and I don't think that's going to be a concern really for the Chiefs. I expect the Chiefs' offense to be just fine with Mahomes. You know, they had a bumpy start last season, and then Mahomes kind of figured out what he needed to do with the guys that he had. It's going to be kind of the same thing this season. He's going to have to figure out what he can do with the guys that he has. And yeah, I mean, you look at Tyreek, there are a number of games that the Chiefs do not win without with what, if they don't have Tyreek on the field. So obviously that's going to be an adjustment, but I think with the combination of Andy Reid plus Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't think the Chiefs offense is really going to miss a beat, hardly at all, really. Yeah, and I think, like, I don't know. that. However the Chiefs were constructed, it'd be easy to sit here and say, oh, they have Tyreek Hill, all the defenses have to focus on him and it opens up for others. Or we can do what we're going to do now, which is like, oh, they have uh, you know this spread out attack. It's going to be hard for defenses to game plan, right? You can you can kind of twist it however way you want, but when you have as good of a quarterback as you do as Patrick Mahomes, there is something nice to having kind of an unpredictability there about who the main target is, and I think that was kind of a good indication of what you saw in that game against Chicago. Now on the defensive side of the ball, to me, I, I mean, we didn't get to see a ton of like the first unit and. 
you know, we, we got to see a little bit more from the second unit and everything. Obviously, you're not going to see a lot of the third and fourth stringers maybe even make the roster. But from what we saw in the brief time, I think the one thing that came to mind, and this doesn't guarantee that they'll be like a great defense or anything. I would certainly think it helps and, and makes things better than where they lo- were last year was just the speed. They, they looked noticeably faster to me when watching them, whether it was at the safety position, seeing Justin Reed come up and, and hit someone toward the line of scrimmage, whether it was, you know, the speed of like Willie Gay, he was kind of all over the field. And I kind of wonder if maybe this is, um, I don't know, a, a breakout season for Willie Gay, that he's going to be kind of that dude for you on the defensive side of the ball. The pass rush was good. Frank Clark had a pressure in there. Chris Jones gobbled up Justin Fields. George Karloftis, who didn't really play with the ones, was impressive. He had a couple QB hits. He had a sack in there as well. I think it's hard to come away um, less than pleased with what the defense did. Derek, when's when's the last time you felt really confident in the Chiefs' linebacking core? Oh, I, I mean, man. to me, it's it's been like probably when a guy with my years. name, yeah, probably when a guy with my name was playing. There, yeah, right? Der- yeah, Derek right? Johnson. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And to me, this year that's different. Willie Gay and Nick Bolton they give you a lot of confidence at the linebacking core, and I think you hit it right on the head with the speed. Not the biggest issue with the Chiefs linebacking core has been lack of speed. I mean, they just haven't had guys to make plays out in the open field. And, and this season, we look at Willie Gay, we look at Nick Bolton, that presumably are they're going to be making plays using their speed in the open field. So I'm really excited about the linebackers. I think that's going to be hopefully the best, maybe potentially the best unit on the field for the Chiefs, Yeah. depending on how things shake out with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, George Karloftis. The secondary, you're really looking at Trent McDuffie. Uh, to me, the way I look at it, the Chiefs internally – I think they seem to think that Trent McDuffie is going to be cornerback one at some point this season uh, with the way they're kind of playing with him. So do you have that much faith in him? How good he can be early in the year? But the rest of secondary, Justin Reed coming in, not no, no Tyron Matthew, which, eh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, he was get, he's getting older anyways, but certainly as a, as a leadership guy. But, yeah, Justin Reed's exciting. But the linebacking core, yes, is eye-popping to me in terms of what the Chiefs have dealt with at the linebacker position in recent history versus what they've got now with Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, two guys that are fast, physical, and can hopefully cover the field, which is somewhere that they really struggled. Because not only on top of that, when you look at even like the Bob Sutton defenses, the Chiefs, they like to put their linebackers in coverage situations, in man coverage, especially against running backs and tight ends. And it didn't always work out as well because of how aggressive they like to play on the outside. But with with Nick Bolton and, and Willie Gay, that could be a lot different this year. And I think there's still some questions on the pass rush situation. Frank Clark, I don't know how much you want to buy into him losing weight and that meeting he had with Andy Reid after the season right. last year. How yeah. much what he's going to do? Best I mean, shape the, of his the, life. Season, the the right. situation is he had four and a half sacks or four sacks last year, you know, and that puts a lot of pressure on George Karloftis. Now the signing of Carlos Dunlap, I think, relieves some of that for George Karloftis to come in and be an impact guy early in the year, but. And you got to look at Chris Jones. He didn't have as good of a year last year as, as people expected. I mean, we're talking about Chris Jones a couple years ago. People maybe unanimously considered him to be the second best defensive tackle in the league behind Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. Didn't have that year last year. So how you know what's he going to do this year coming back? And and so I think there's still some questions on the D line, the linebacking core. Again, for the first time in a very long time, I think you could say is at this point in time the most solid position group defensively for the Chiefs. Yeah, and what you touched on there with Trent McDuffie, I mean, Lonnie Johnson gets released today, who they took a flyer on with like a conditional seventh-round pick, and obviously that didn't work out. I don't know how that affects the draft pick as far as the trade, but clearly that signals more, and it's not just him. They have other young corners as well that, that they're clearly confident in, and I said this on Friday, but the fact that the Bears didn't, uh, there was the one long ball to Darnell Mooney where he made a good catch, and he's kind of the one Bears receiver where you're like, yeah, he's, he's a good player. <laughs> he's not like, you know, 
some all-pro player you're expecting, but yeah. that receiving core is obviously very decrepit from this season. So it was one of those things where I don't think by the Chiefs defensive backs looking good, you come out of this going, yep, they're the best unit in the NFL or something <laughs> crazy like that. But I think what you come away from is that, hey, they didn't mess up against a bad unit. That's a good sign because that means they're not really bad. So that is a positive there. Um, other notes from the game, I would just say uh, – you know, rookies-wise, as, as far as that goes, like, I think you got good contributions. Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis looked really good for you on that end. Sky Moore made a really good catch at the sideline. You got really good contributions there. Isaiah Pacheco, one of the uh, rookies, man, he's got some juice. And I don't know if it's just he wears the number 10 um, <laughs> where it gives you a little Tyreek Hill vibes. Obviously, he's not that fast, but he still is a speedster. He had the, the really good play. He, he kind of does remind me of Jet McKinnon a little bit. Uh, speedy back that's a little smaller but does have a little bit of power to him. And then you had the uh, Justin Reed kick on, on the PAT. All those things were uh, really cool. Did you have anything else that kind of stood out in the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't know what happened to Ronald Jones. I guess Ronald yeah. Jones at Sia. I mean, down on the depth chart, clearly, he out there with the third stringers, I think. And, you know, with Pacheco coming along, you've got Clyde, obviously. You've got Jarek McKinnon. I don't, I don't know where Ronald Jones fits in at this point. And, and he was a guy in the offseason that – you know, people thought, oh, this guy's going to come in and he's going to be the guy that comes in and is a big downhill runner for the Chiefs. And, and now all of a sudden it's looking like he may not even make the team at this point. I mean, I'm, I don't really know. So that's that's pretty surprising. And, yeah, I think just to reiterate what you said with the, with the rookies, to me, what was the general consensus about the Chiefs after night one of, of the draft back in April? Chiefs had the best draft. Everyone you looked at, every draft recap you had, Chiefs A-plus grade, best best draft, right? And that's a lot of pressure to put on rookies. And we already, I already touched on it with Trent McDuffie. I mean, to me, the, the, it looks like the Chiefs are expecting Trent McDuffie to be day one outside guy playing against some of the best receivers. And you look at the division the Chiefs are going to have to play in now with Devontae Adams, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy with the Broncos. Now, no, no Tim Patrick, he tore his ACL. But still, you know, the division they're playing in is a lot of good receivers. And it looks like, to me... The Chiefs have exceptional confidence confidence in Trent McDuffie, and that's something that I'm gonna I want to keep an eye on early in the year is how good are the, how good are these rookie players? There's been so much put on them from like I said, night one of the draft, a plus draft for the Chiefs. They got exactly what they needed. If those guys, McDuffie specifically, and Karloftis to a certain extent, again, I think the signing of Carlos Dunlap makes it takes the pressure off Karloftis. But if those guys don't produce at a fairly high level right away, that could cause some problems for the Chiefs defense. I think. He is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have some uh, KU football audio to share for you throughout the day. In fact, a lot of KU football audio to share for you throughout the day. David Lawrence is going to join us in about 15 minutes to talk KU football. This is RCST. We'll be back after this timeout. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer here in the KLWN studio. Join now. By, we normally have David Lesky on the show at this time. So, you know, David's on vacation. So we figured... We just replace him with another DL. David Lawrence joins the show here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. DL, hope everything's going good for you. Um, where's your kind of excitement level as we're, what, I don't know, 12 days, something like that, away from the uh, first KU football game? Well, Derek, first of all, great to be on with you. Uh, my excitement level every year, just because of who I am and the people that know me understand, I mean, that it's always sky high. I'm always excited about Kansas football. Uh, but I know this year is going to be different, you know. Um, it, it's going to be a big step up. Uh, we can, you know, talk about all the reasons why, and there's many. Um, 
And, and you know, we also need to look at the, the schedule. I mean, to a certain point, it's relative to who you play, and we play uh, 11 Power 5 schools. So, you know, obviously Houston will join the Big 12 in a year or so. So, you know, it's a daunting schedule, but trying to compare, you know, where these Jayhawks are at now to last year when they didn't have a spring ball and, you know, the offensive line didn't know how to run outside zone and, you know, we, we were lacking scholarship numbers. I mean, all those things have changed dramatically and this is going to be a much, much improved team in 2022. Well, uh, before we get into some more of that stuff with them being improved, I, I saw today outside as we were heading into the, the Anderson football complex to, to talk with Jordan Peterson and Taiwo Onotolu and, and some of the, the KU football players at the media availability. They had Joe's Kansas City Barbecue lined up right outside that that's what they were getting catered for their food. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, you getting to play at KU and all-conference pick back in, what, 1980, 1981, something like that. Um, what were your meals like? Were they anything close to, like, Joe's Kansas City Barbecue? <laughs> That's funny. What a question to lead with. Right. Uh, actually, we had a guy that was legendary. He used to run a restaurant, and he and his wife ran the, quote, training table, and it was on the bottom floor of one of the Jayhawk Towers. The Jayhawk Towers, which are still there, looked just like that back in the 70s when they were built. And uh, we would have all of our meals in the basically the basement of that facility, the football team, basketball team, and then select track and swimming and baseball. Athletes would eat all of their meals there, so we wouldn't get anything catered in. But we can't complain. I mean, we had steaks three times a week, and we had good food. But Paul and Margaret Sinclair – uh, they, they've been, you know, they are no longer with us, but uh, I think it meant a lot to them to to keep us in healthy order, and uh, we ate extremely well uh, back at Jayhawk Towers in the basement floor of Tower B. Love it, love it. Um, so, anyway, back to the actual football stuff with this year's team. You know. Uh, we heard Jalen Daniels being, I, I guess, named the Week One starter, though that's been. I don't know, like Lance Leipold kind of left the door open that, you know, if Jason Bean does this or that, and we've since heard that Bean has had really good practices and is maybe playing the best football of his career so far at Kansas. But I would still be kind of surprised if, if Jalen Daniels wasn't the, the starter at the end of week one. Um, what are kind of your expectations for Daniels this season? Like, do you think everything that we saw over those last three weeks, does that – carry over is it just a strong stretch of play like what are your expectations without setting them too high oh putting the pressure on me early on Mm -hmm. well i'm warmed you up with the last question that's right you (laughs) did yeah you kind of led me in with that one brought Um, out the knife yeah if i was to select the you know the key 10 or 12 players for our success this year one of them might be jason bean uh because you know, I don't. I think our, your listeners are smart enough. They know how important it is to have a backup quarterback. And in the days of uh, the portal um, and, and players 
you know, understandably looking for the best deal and getting their best deal, how many people are going to have a very high-quality backup quarterback? There are some, but I, I think that is going to be lost because no one's going to go not, – excuse me, uh, not as many players will go into a season – you know, knowing that they are going to be the, the backup and having someone that is uh, bought in, and if that ends up being Jason Bean, you know, having someone that's ready to go, you know, that has the skill set that Jason has. We saw it. She got a lot of starts last year. He's one of the fastest. In fact, some, you know, Jason feels he's the fastest player on our team. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Coach Leipold already said, you know, Maybe they can put him in, in some packages. We saw it last year. Um, so, so happy that he is doing well and having him healthy and on board, uh, I think, is one of the most important things in looking at this season. And having said that, I mean, I, I think J.D. can be a top-four quarterback. Uh, that's, that's saying a lot, and I'm talking about in the Big 12. So an upper-tier Big 12 quarterback and – Carter Stanley was right on the edge of that. He was probably uh, a number five guy um, in that one-year claim to fame that he had. Uh, he should have started more years than he did, but that's all he had. But we haven't had anybody that's been a, a top, you know, one-third, uh, 33% quarterback in the Big 12 Conference since Todd Reesing. And, and I think J.D. can be that. Um you know, we don't. There's not a lot of returners in the Big 12, but you know, and it's interesting that the, the two people that are cited to be the best two quarterbacks in the Big 12, uh, outside of Spencer Sanders at OSU, uh, didn't play in the Big 12. You know, the quarterback from uh, coming in to Oklahoma and Texas. So w- w- we don't really know uh, how that's going to transfer over. In fact, one of them hadn't even played college football. We just know he was the top recruit. Uh, went to Ohio State, I believe, and then now down to uh, uh, Texas. So uh, that would be huge for for JD to have that kind of year. But I'm, I'm a believer. I, his charisma, um, leadership ability, how he's looked at by his peers. I think he's got a cannon as, as an and a foreign arm, and he is very athletic. Um, so he's got the whole package. I think he can be a next level player. Um, but he's got to, you know, he needs to have two or three really good years here at Kansas. And I, you know, for us to be successful, you know, he needs to be part of that story. Um, having a quality quarterback, and let's just say every year, you know, before you even talk about any other personnel, it, it, it comes down to who your quarterback is and turnovers, okay? That's just boring stuff. But that's just, that's every year, every team. And it, probably is not just college football. We could probably talk about Warren Sy and Free State. Uh, but sometimes running backs get to be more important in, in those divisions. But J.D. and, and, and Jason Bean, I, I think it's a great one-two combination, and uh, that's, that's certainly one reason for uh, optimism and excitement about this team. Well, Jason Bean, I mean, you've obviously been around the program when Kerry Meyer made the transition to receiver or when Kale Pick made the transition to receiver. Um, heck, we're, you know, back in the day, it, it wasn't that uncommon for players to play multiple positions. John Hadle was great on defense at running back, at quarterback, whatever you asked him to do. Do you think that would be a real possibility if Jason Bean is the backup or because of what you said, 
how valuable that backup spot can be, uh, especially when, like, 2020, we did see Jalen Daniels get beat up a little bit. We did see Jalen Daniels get beat up a little bit in, in camp last year, which might have led to why Jason Bean ended up being the starter. Uh, do you think that there is a possible role for Jason Bean outside of playing quarterback? Uh, certainly, you know, I mean, Kodal Nicky's got, uh, that's our offensive coordinator. He, he's he got a, a, a great imagination and creative. And those guys are, you know, I, I see a lot of practices, but they see a lot more than I do. And they live it. And they are they are pros. And our coaches are going to do the best they can to find and squeeze everything out. I will say this, uh, you, John Hadle and Kerry Meyer, would be probably two of the most successful stories in the history of college football. You know, John Hill, actually an All-American at quarterback and running back, and then Kerry Meyer uh, converting over to a receiver. He was an All-American punter, too. It was Hadel. Yeah, yeah. John Hadel is one of, the, one of the great college football Hall of Fame, should be in the NFL Hall of Fame, and... A lot of people don't know this, but he was my offensive coordinator for a pretty good football team in 1980 and 81. So, you know, John Hadle did it all. And Kerry Meyer, you know, so, yeah, what I was going to say is Kerry Meyer wasn't just didn't have success at receiver. He, he's in the record books at, at Kansas. Uh, so I, I would say this. Don't put the pressure on Jason Bean to, to be a Kerry Meyer-type receiver. I'm not saying he can't. But that's that's a high bar because Kerry Meyer, very very special what he was able to do, and then John Hadle, you know, one of the best in the history of football. I hope uh, we've been doing our RCST trivia, our football competition, and we've had plenty of questions with John Hadle as the answer. I hope that uh, trivia contestants are listening to this because that offensive coordinator question with John Hadle. There's a little hint for you uh, about something <laughs> that, that could be coming up a little bit later here. Um, so as, as far as the, the line goes, that's the biggest question for me with the offensive line in terms of how good of a season can, can Jalen Daniels have because he could, like you say, be a top third quarterback in the Big 12, but if you're not getting the blocking in front of him, then it's not going to matter as much, right? And I, I think you're confident in maybe the, the starters, at least four of the five guys. I, I know I'm high on, on what Bryce Cable do could turn into this year, and obviously – you have some other big names with Earl Bostic and Mike Nowitzki and Armage Reed Adams and, and whatnot. Uh, Michael Ford obviously coming back. But there's the depth of that offensive line that you have in question. Uh, what's the amount that you need to feel comfortable throughout a season? Like, what is the, the proper amount to kind of fill all those different holes? And, and what are kind of your thoughts on the offensive line in general? Well, great question about how many you need. Um, and I will say this because I think I came on your show in the, in the past, probably in the spring, and said, yeah, it's not one of our deeper positions. And, and uh, I think that's even come from the mouths of, of some of our coaching staff. Um, but, you know, you actually, you know, can get by with as few as seven in, in uh, 2022. Now, obviously, you'd like to have um, nine or ten, uh, but you, you need a swing guy. You know, a guy that can come in and play multiple positions, and uh, they, they they do that. They they try to get our offensive linemen, and it's not as big a deal playing going from guard to tackle, but certainly throwing center in there as well. Uh, but I think Ford, uh, Michael Ford, is one of those guys that can uh, at least play the center and the guard position. And I've seen Cable do play guard and 
and tackle. Uh, Nowitzki's a, just a tremendous leader, of course, transferred from Buffalo a year ago. Um, Nolan Gorsica is a guy that jumped out uh, in the spring, and uh, he, I think he is close to uh, you know being able to play at this level. And then uh, Dominic Puni is a guy that I don't think was as talked about as much as some of our other transfers, but uh, I've seen some good things in him. So I think we're uh, going to have a, at least those seven, um, maybe eight, and who knows, maybe some of those younger guys can step up. But it's, it is a position where, you know, you can get through the season. I, I think, you know, specifically in, in when I was a senior, we, we played with six. You know, but of course that was a million years ago. But it's not, it's not like defensive line where you need to have like two and a half times, uh, every person, uh, because that's just what you need, um, as far as injury, fatigue, uh, dual roles, uh, different packages, et cetera. Offensive line, you don't need quite as many, but I do love that front line. You mentioned them. Uh, Ahmad Reed Adams, nickname Big Dog. This guy's lost about 100 pounds. He looks tremendous. He's really stepped up as a leader. Um, you know, you were talking, you're, you're to talk about guys that can play at the next level. You know, you'd probably start with 55 and 58, Earl Bostic and Ahmad Reed Adams. They, they look like NFL offensive linemen. Well, you mentioned that defensive line and needing that depth. It feels like Kansas has that with a bunch of fifth-year guys on the team, and you bring in Lonnie Phelps on the outside. We've heard good things about Jeremy Robinson, and I think both Caleb's at the defensive tackle with Taylor and Sampson. Um, what are kind of your thoughts on on the trenches on that end of things, and is that the the real difference there to KU turning around defensively, especially against the run, or is it the linebacking unit and, and everything else? Well, linebacker is the key to turning it around. But as we'll probably talk about in the next uh, question, you know, the, we've got a number of guys that they have brought in to answer that need. Of the defensive line, I think you got the least amount of question marks because you've got, you know, guys that you had mentioned, you know, with Jeremy and, and Caleb and Sam and um, Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers, two youngsters coming up the lines that are going to provide excellent uh, quality depth. Uh, You don't have as many question marks. You kind of know what you're going to get, uh, except, you know, another year of uh, Coach Sleeve, our strength and conditioning coach, which I think is, whom I think is one of the best we've ever had here. And I go back uh, 50 years. Of course, I guess we haven't had him for 50 years. We've had him for about 35 years, 40 years. Uh, but he's one of the best, and, and you know what he's done to them to make them bigger, better, stronger um, is going to be significant as well. Uh, but, but Phelps is that newcomer you had mentioned, and he's not—he's not the same guy as Kyron Johnson. Shouldn't compare the two, but can he be equally effective? And I think um, I, I am cautiously optimistic he can be uh, that good. But he's—he's he's got more size. And he has got a quick first step. Of course, Kyron, he's, he's one of the, he was one of the quickest DNs off the ball that I've ever seen. So, um, But Lonnie Phelps is his own guy uh, from Miami of Ohio, and he's got experience. 
I also really like Hayden Hatcher on the outside. Came in, transferred, I think, from an Iowa junior college and has really worked well. Malcolm Lee's a tremendous young man. We got a chance to talk to him today. Caleb Taylor has got himself into playing shape, playing weight. He looks good. So um, I think there's less surprises and uh, reason for optimism, like proven, I guess, reason for optimism, because we've seen these guys in the past be successful. So that linebacker core, the, the next question there, uh, like you were kind of alluding to, uh, I, I think optimism would be the word that I would put there with uh, the improvement that you could have when you you know, add in all these transfers. And I don't even know how many of them are going to start, at least right off the bat, like Lorenzo McCaskill. You're kind of behind the eight ball there, not getting to spring ball and getting a little late to, to camp and everything. But Certainly they have a lot more options, and I think the top guys are better than it has been over the past couple of seasons. What was the biggest struggle for the linebacking group last year? Like, was it was it just knowing the playbook? Was it shedding blockers? Like, what did you kind of see there that led to the issues, and do you feel like they are fixed this year? Well, first of all, numbers. You know, how many we had, uh, the age, and and quite honestly, just quality. You know, you put those three together, and and that's that's what we were dealing with. And you know, the fact that they they got a lot done last year, is, you know, despite they were facing those obstacles. Uh, you, you'd mentioned, I think you were at the uh, interview with uh, Taiwan Burial, uh, who's uh, now a junior, mm-hmm. but clearly the most improved. That was cited by the coaches, and and, and I think where uh, all these guys coming in, how has it helped them? Well, we don't know exactly what made Taiwan Berryhill to have just this, you know, this epiphany come over him and sat down with his mom sometime in the off season and decided that he was going to commit himself to football because last year, and this is public, I mean, he said this at the presser, that there were days where he didn't know exactly where he needs to be. And he decided to totally dedicate himself to getting the best physical shape, but also on the mental approach to the game. And you got to think, you know, he knowing that they were bringing in all these other players is what motivated him. And so that's, that's why you need to having depth is the best coach in college football. I mean, having other guys you can just put in. And quite frankly, we haven't had that for the last, several more than several years um there's just been times at the linebacker position we just needed you know guys to play you know because we didn't really have anyone else and so so anyway that that that's what that's how it helped us having people like not just the newcomers but the taiwan berry hills to commit himself to being the best he can be and and he'll he's gonna look like a different player this year but uh, Eric Gilliard, uh, the transfer in, uh, Lorenzo McCaskill, you mentioned, he looks different. I think he's bigger than what he's listed at. He's got a tremendous arm length, and uh, he, he comes with a personality. And, I mean, he is – I mean, he plays angry. That's what I'm saying. I haven't talked to him yet. Um, so but I'm excited. For linebacker, right? <laughs> right. I mean, he – he looks angry out there when he plays. I I can hardly wait. Uh, and his his stats, his tape precede him. You know, uh, so we know it's coming. 
you know, and, and like you said, who, who knows who's going to start in the first game. But he's going he's gonna to factor in. And then Craig Young, I mean, he, quite honestly, I mean, he's, he's a guy that can be all-conference here at Kansas. I mean, there's a lot of track athletes out there who are sprinters, but not many of them are 6'3 and 230. But that's exactly who Craig Young was. Um, and, you know, how many people in the world can boast that kind of size and that kind of speed. And he's got a tremendous uh, attitude. He was made available. I sure appreciate, you know, Leipold giving availability uh, to yourself and the the uh, print media and and I always like to get to know these guys but they're really making them available and you know we're really getting to know who these Jayhawks are going to be but uh, of course Gavin Potter is back Rich Miller is back and Rich Miller what a story it is uh, I think last year you, you knew how much Kenny Logan was recruiting his uh, his guys down in Florida to come to Kansas and he had several people that followed him up here and you know today we kind of find out from uh, Caitlin Gervin about how Rich Miller started the pipeline from Detroit and Gervin uh, lived across the street from Lorenzo McCaskill uh, I mean they're they're all factored into this uh, so there's and I'm I'm forgetting one of them but McCaskill oh and Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the safety, Marvin Graham, uh, transferred from Purdue. So all these guys, uh, the pipeline starting is flowing in from Detroit. That's made our defense better. He is David Lawrence. You'll be able to hear him on the call of the action right here on KLWN, our sister station 105.9 KISS with the Jayhawk Radio Network. Not this Friday, but the Friday after. It's right around the corner. David, I appreciate you hopping some time, sharing some time with me, and uh, I know the listeners appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you at the next KU Football Media Availability. Absolutely. I look forward to that, and I always enjoyed listening to your work, Derek. All the best to you. That was David Lawrence. You can catch him on the Jayhawk Radio Network. Again, first game coming up next Friday here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. Case of the Monday is coming up next. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk. On FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK. That's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Shock Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How much does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Case of the Mondays. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Spring- Springer. I am Derek Johnson. 
here on RCST. Four o'clock hour here, so it is a Monday. I, I feel like hard to have a case of the Mondays on your first day of the job. Are you having a case of the Mondays today? Uh, no, no. Today's been a pretty okay. good day. Today's been a pretty good day. But Derek, I have a take about Mondays. Okay. okay, are you ready for this? If you say Mondays are the best day, I'm no. I'm saying leave. no. I, not that extreme. Not that extreme. <laughs> but Monday is not the worst day of the week. I'm telling you, it's okay. not. Tuesday is the worst day of the week. Monday in our culture has become this thing of like everyone talks about it, everyone, whatever. Right now, it's almost to me like an extension of Sunday. It's just become okay. this thing where everyone wants to dog on Monday because it's the first day of the week, right? Tuesday is the worst day of the week, and here's why. You're not quite to the middle of the week, Wednesday, so you can't say you're in the back half of the week yet, but it's after Monday, so you're still stuck, and you still have the whole week <laughs> ahead of you, okay? I'm telling you. I am here to, to promote the propaganda that Tuesday is the worst day of the week. So I think I can actually get on board with this because of the idea that, like, a lot of times, as much as Monday, you get the Sunday scaries or something. Yeah. Once you actually get to work Monday, it's like you, you at least feel a little refreshed yeah. off the weekend. Yes. Tuesday, you do not. And, and again, Monday, to me, I think the biggest thing about Monday is it's, it's just become so attacked mm-hmm. in our culture. Everyone wants to go after Monday. Overrated. Right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now now we're talking. Tuesday is the worst day because you're not in the middle of the week. You, the, you real, the, the, the pain that you know the rest of the week is still in front of you on Tuesday really starts to set in. You know, Monday, you're still riding the high of just wanting to hate on Monday. So you're saying you want to do case of the Tuesdays is basically <laughs> what you're getting to. Here. I'm just saying Tuesday is actually the worst day of the week. And more people need to know that Monday is not that bad. Tuesday is the worst day. I love it. Well, uh, you know who is feeling a case of the Mondays and will feel worse tomorrow when that Tuesday does come? Fernando Tatis. He was suspended 80 games for PED use. And the reason that he gave for, uh, I guess we could have saved this for lie detector tests, to be completely honest. He says he took it for ringworm? So, I'm not a doctor, but I... My favorite game now to play with these suspensions is you basically, you just close your eyes and pick an excuse. I mean, what can, what's, what can you come up with? What's the most ridiculous thing? We've got so many different cases of guys coming up with something for PED use. I mean, when's the last time we had a guy just come out and say, hey, man, yeah, I used it. Yeah. Or, hey, I used it to get ahead. I used right. it to, to, I, I'm know. sorry. I wanted to be good. What, what exactly. do you want me to do? Exactly. When's the last time we had somebody just just come out and admit it? You know I mean? <laughs> instead, of, instead, you're going to try to claim ringworm? Like, yeah, come on. I love it. And, like, okay, the DeAndre Hopkins ones, like, stuff like that where it's, like, he's .01% above the legal limit for this or whatever. It's, like, again, probably not great. You shouldn't do it. But this has to take the cake for those reasons. <laughs> like, a lot of times, to your point, it's excuse of, oh, well, somebody fed me something I didn't know I couldn't eat or something like that. Yeah. Again, like, I, I don't know. I actually talked to a couple people who actually, like, are doctors over the weekend, and I asked them, um, what is this all about? And they're like, no, that's not how you treat ringworm, and also it's the wrong steroids. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing there. Yeah, and I, I don't want to discredit guys that maybe legitimately did take something for a different condition and it became positive or whatever. But yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, you're just spinning the wheel of what can you come up with for excuses, and it. Yeah, I don't know. That would be fun if they had an actual wheel and they just, you know, spun. So I here's my one thing. I think the Padres because he's still injured. He doesn't even come back from injury, so he has an 80 game suspension. They should just say he's healthy. We're activating him now. Oh no, he has the suspension starting now, and then yeah, he's I don't, just I don't know how that works. Does I, a, I don't does either. The suspension not start until does, he's like activated or that's what I'm saying. Does the MLB like have a team doctor that has to, to come in on the company and be like, yeah, you're cleared to play. Yeah, that's but a good couldn't question. he just be like, no, I feel like I'm cleared <laughs> to play, and then you start the suspension now when he's injured. He's not going to play to begin with. I I don't totally understand how that works. 
Um, but it's very interesting there, and I think it makes it even more interesting that they traded for Juan Soto, not just because of, you know, they're a contender this year. The Dodgers seem yeah. to kind of be running away with things in the division, but once you get to the playoffs in the MLB, weird things can happen. And it's not just that he helps them this year, but it makes you wonder, like, if long-term, I, I don't know. Like, is there a trade market for Fernando Tatis? <laughs> he just signed, like, a 15-year contract. He's had all this stuff going on. Obviously, somebody would take the trade of Fernando Tatis. I don't even know if they would want to trade him, but it opens up your options yep. when you trade for Juan Soto. I feel like the the general vibe of the Padres is that they're going all in, right? And so because of that, I feel like that would make them not want to trade him for the time being. Um, but obviously, I mean, you're right. Without him this season, does that hurt their chances of making a serious run? Absolutely. And But at the same time, if they were to trade him, that probably would not help them as much long term, I would think. So it is an interesting question. I, I agree, but I think just given the nature of clearly they're all in. I mean, they're trying. They are doing everything. Like they are going Dodgers level of buying, trading, any whoever they can get. I think they would probably just hang on to them. I, I guess I don't know. I wonder if this would have happened before the deadline if they would have just said to the Nationals, "Here, we'll give you Tatis. You give us Soto." And and would either side say no? Because from the Nationals' perspective, they're going, "Hey, we offered Soto a big contract. It wasn't as much as as he wanted, but." We'd be paying about that much for Tatis, and we'd get him long-term. We'd have him on the I don't know. That would be kind of interesting if that happened. Uh, how about this one? Rattlesnake 1, J.J. Watt 0. <laughs> I, I only saw the first part of this story this over is the a weekend. Wild, you this, filled me in in the rest. This is a, a wild story for J.J. Watt. So it played out pretty much all on Twitter of J.J. Watt saying that he went into his bathroom. I think this was yesterday morning, Sunday morning. He went into his bathroom, and there was a snake in the corner of his bathroom. And for J.J. Watt, he, as he talked about it, he, made, he posted various videos about this on Twitter. One of them, he talks about how, you know, hey, I'm from Wisconsin. Don't have to worry about snakes that much. Like, whatever, right? So I'm freaking out. Like, the J.J. Watt, it's all coiled up in his bathroom. He thinks he's got a rattlesnake that's going to kill him in his bathroom. So then, he, then the saga continues in which he calls somebody who comes over, looks at the snake, and grabs it with his bare hands and says, this is completely harmless. You've been fooled. It's a, it's a, a long-nosed snake, I think, was the actual what it actually was. And so here's J.J. Watt, big, strong J.J. Watt, cowering from a snake in the corner of his bathroom that turned out to be completely harmless. So tough scenes all around for J.J. Watt. He, he ended up posting a video explaining that that was what actually happened. But, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think you got J.J. Watt, yeah. one, of the, one, of the, one, of the, one of the most fearless guys in the NFL. And uh, and he got beat by a snake. That huh. wasn't even it. Wasn't even a, a real harm, harm harmful snake. Don't mess with snake. How do you not know it's a rattlesnake? Like I can understand if thing, it's like, like if it's if it's like a yeah exactly. It's like, black and yellow. <laughs> like I don't know. Is it the poisonous? I, I know you always hear the thing about if it's this way, then it's poisonous. If it's this way, it's not. And I can never remember it. That yeah. I can understand. But it's like it literally has a rattle <laughs> on the back. Like you should know it's a rattlesnake. Yeah. Yeah. So JJ JJ Watt. Gets beaten uh, by a rattlesnake. My question is: Hopefully, he has. I'm assuming he has more than one bathroom in his house. But I mean, you know, if you're trying to go to the bathroom and there's a snake in there, you know, I mean, you got to go somewhere, right? He just went outside for the weekend. <laughs> He's like, the snake took my house. I'm taking the snake's house outside. Uh, how about case of the Mondays for the he just can't get over the hump crowd? Because all throughout sports, we see this in everything, right? We see teams or players win at a high level, but maybe not be able to get over the hump and win the championships. And it doesn't really apply for guys who. Uh, maybe aren't near the top of the profession, but like for Peyton Manning for a while, that was a criticism that he couldn't win the big one. Dan Marino forever. That will be a criticism that all the all-time great quarterback, but couldn't win the big one. Chris Paul right now in the NBA. And the list goes on and on and on of great players that 
perform at the highest level and in one way are, are thought of as like the best player not to win a title, like kind of once you get in that conversation. One of those athletes, though, who has never won, has put together his first victory. That would be Will Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris won the uh, PGA uh, Tour event over the weekend. That he, I mean, it was it was an amazing uh, tournament for him. Went to a playoff, three holes in the playoff. He had this one shot where it was so close to rolling off, but it somehow just kind of wedged between the, I don't know what to call it, like rock kind of fence thing on the side. And he ended up winning the event. And this is a guy who has been so close to win. I mean, he has three second place finishes in majors just since 2021. So to be that close to winning, let alone being at majors, finally getting his first just PGA Tour win at all over the weekend, he got over the hump. He did it. I have an interesting proposition for you on this. What if this is actually a win for the he just can't get over the hump crowd because of Live Golf? (laughs) Live Golf is taking away some of the top some of the top golfers. Here's Will Zalatoris. He can't get over the hump. Now, all of a sudden, the competition gets a little, a little lighter, and he gets the win. But is there an asterisk next to it, Derek? Is there an asterisk next to that win for Will Zalatoris because it's not against the full, I guess, what you would call PGA lineup, so to speak, because you've got the PGA split right now. So does that make it weaker? Does that uh, does that invalidate the win at all for Will Zalatoris? Yeah, so I guess Will Zalatoris is having a case of the Mondays. He's just like <laughs> sitting there after he wins and, and you know, his I, I don't know if he's married or has a girlfriend or something, but his, his significant other comes up and pats him on the back and is like, I'm so proud of you. And he's just like sitting there in a ball just like It's like, crying. I've, and, I've won, but yeah. at what cost? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I, I, I didn't even beat everyone. And, <laughs> and his wife's just like trying to console him and he's just having the worst time because now everybody's going to say your win came with an asterisk. Yeah. And that, I don't, that's I don't almost listen. just as bad. I'm all for being me to start that narrative. I will I will start that narrative <laughs> right here right now. That he's it's not a real it's not a real PGA win. Let's see him do it on the live tour. <laughs> Cuz people left for the live tour. <laughs> okay, uh case of the Mondays for being smart. French activists have filled golf holes with cement to protest watering exemptions during their drought. So they're ongoing a drought right now. Golf courses are notorious for taking up a lot of water. And, you know, there are a lot of areas where they're having water issues and droughts and golf courses somehow get around it and and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if it has to do with being a business or or what the deal is there of of some of the rules that kind of go over it. But, yes, there is a little bit of an issue with that being able to be something that happens. The way that these French activists went about protesting this, though, was... One, hypocritical, and two, again, just stupid. So they went to this these golf courses, and they filled the, the holes with cement, which if you're unfamiliar with how you fill something with cement, <laughs> it's not like they had a cement truck, which, which to begin with, you would, again, you need water to make cement. You basically, it's this mixture, this powder, you put water in it. So the idea of them being like, hey, they have these watering exemptions. Let's use a bunch of water to fill up all of these holes. So that's the hypocritical part. But also, it's just stupid. Do they not realize golf courses, it's it's not like a, a set it and forget it. It's not like the TV in my living room where I put it there and it's just going to stay there. They change up the golf hole like every few days. Like All they got to do is they take that little, you know, I don't know what it's called, but the thing that you, know, you just put on the ground, you punch it, and it creates the hole, and boom, you have a new hole. Are they going to do this every day? <laughs> I mean, that would be some serious dedication if they were going to do it every day. But then at that point, 
if you're going to do it every day, like you mentioned, at that point, you're probably wasting more water to try to <laughs> to try to fill, try to keep filling holes. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, being smart, case of the Mondays. Alex Rodriguez is having a case of the Mondays. We mentioned earlier, Fernando Tatis suspended for PEDs. Well, uh, I've seen several people bring up like, well, Fernando Tatis took being the next A-Rod a little too seriously and... You know, A-Rod starts to get his name dragged in the mud and bring up old stories about some of the PED use that, that A-Rod had, so that's not great for him. But also, he's in severe danger now of being passed by Albert Pujols for fourth on the all-time home run list. Now, I don't know if he'll get there because we're looking at, what, middle of August. So he got about a month and a half left in the regular season. It'd take a bit of chugging for Albert Pujols to get there because Albert is at this point more of just a left-handed specialist. For yeah. er, er, for uh, St. Louis, he needs seven more to tie a rod, eight more to pass him. But after this past stretch of strong play, it is looking more possible. He had two home runs yesterday, put him to six eighty nine all time, and this is the absolute heater that Pujols is on. Over the last thirty days, he is hitting three seventy five. He has a four thirty two on base percentage and an OPS that nears twelve hundred. And over the last seven days, it's gone up even more. He has a five hundred average over the last week. With a 17-14 OPS, I mean that's you know monstrous, monstrous numbers. If he keeps this up, maybe we can see Pujols get up to 700. And Albert Pujols, I think, has has entered that realm of late in your career where everybody just roots for you, mm-hmm. right? Where you, you've had a, you had a strong career, and it gets to the point where you just everybody just roots for you. Everybody everybody hopes for you to succeed. So I'm sure in this situation. Maybe more people will be hoping for him to succeed as he might have a chance to pass Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, so. I, I, I had so much fun. I was watching yesterday, and they, he hits the second home run, and it kind of put the game away, and he had just a big, super fun celebration, which you don't always see from a guy who's like 40 years old and, and has experienced so much in the game. And that was that was a lot of fun to see for uh, MLB uh, all-timer. Last one for Case of the Mondays, NIL dealers. Uh, Miles Brennan, an LSU quarterback, he was – in the quarterback competition, it, it seemed to be a fierce competition between him and uh, Arizona State transfer, Jaden Daniels. Not Jalen Daniels, just to be clear there. Jaden <laughs> Daniels, who transferred over and you know had some, some success at Arizona State, was a little inconsistent. Uh, but Miles Brennan is walking away from football, he announced today. And here's the beauty of it with NIL. The NCAA has made it abundantly clear. You cannot use NIL for pay-for-play. Now... Technically, you know, boosters and NIL dealers and everything, that's been kind of a wink-wink, nod-nod thing. On its face, it kind of makes sense. Exactly, exactly. Um, But a lot of people are, you know, they're like, well, if you come here, we'll give you this NIL deal. (laughs) So in a certain sense, it becomes pay-for-play, but whatever. Basically, because of that, Miles Brennan sent signing all of these NIL deals with the following. Raising Canes, Smoothie King, GameCoin, Small Sliders and Hollings Ford Richards Ford. He has not played a single game since signing any of those, and he gets to keep all the money because NIL cannot be based on pay for play. So I have two thoughts on this. Yes. Number one, Miles Brennan is still in college? Like, like <laughs> what? Been for a while. <laughs> like, what? And number two, this could open the floodgate for a lot of guys. You know, I mean, if you're like Sign a second, it and then quit. yeah, or like, or I don't know how many of you, how many of you seen where uh, they're starting to do NIL deals for like entire teams. Like yeah. one of the ones I saw was like Texas Tech uh, women's basketball got one. Like, so let's say you're uh, like on the team 
they sign the deal that like covers the whole team, and then you just are like, okay, I'm done. You quit. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I guess do you still get a chunk of that. I don't know how that would work. Yeah, you're like a you know you're a senior who's the the twelfth person yeah. off the bench. And you're like, I'm not going to play this year. Why go through all these practices and conditioning and, and working my butt but off? If you keep the NIL money, then right. that's a great that's because a great it's not deal pay for play. So yeah. You gave me the so twenty five thousand. This is an interesting loophole that uh, could be exploited even further. I feel like. See, and I don't know how that works. Like, I, I wonder if it because obviously the. The NCAA says you can't do pay for play, but could a school or, or not a school? Could a business say we're going to sign us an IO deal, but force you to play? Yeah, like could they be like you know as part of this, as part of the contract, we're going to force you to play, or does that go against NCAA rules and that's not allowed? Yeah, I don't know how that works out, but this is kind of like the opposite of what I've been saying: how <laughs> these bowl games should be paying the players to play in them so that they don't skip out of the bowl games. It's kind of the opposite, or maybe you just come up with an idea if you're an NIL dealer where you say, hey, instead of giving you all this money up front. We're just going to pay you by month. That way we, we know that like you have a, to play like a stipend now. type situation yeah, exactly. or something. Exactly. And I don't know. Could maybe be. that was the case for Miles Brennan, but whatever he's made, he gets to keep and uh, good is, for him. That is funny that it's the complete opposite of what you were just saying about the bowl games because mm-hmm. now it's like you're paying them not to play. <laughs> <laughs> like you're, you're paying them to not play now. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is your case of the Mondays. We have an edition of RCST Trivia coming up next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. We've just got one RCST trivia matchup today. Once again, we are brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, and 23rd Street Brewery here. And it features the number one ranked team, a new number one, Aaron Mayer, who is 2-0 with 40 points. And, you know, some are wondering, how did Aaron jump over Ryan without even playing last week? Ryan won. Well, we had a new pollster. It's, it's like that point in the season when, you know, the AP poll and the coaches poll come together and then all of a sudden we get to where the college football playoff committee is and they just completely redo the rankings there's a different committee voting on everything basically there's a new committee now Aaron is the new number one he's taken on Jim Scherer who actually did receive an honorable mention vote in uh this last week's poll so uh, essentially a, a ranked matchup here we'll call it um Aaron I'll start with you you are the new number one team thoughts on seeing that number one digit next to your name uh, it was pretty exciting at first. I thought when I was stuck at number two, I, I thought I'd just stay there as long as Ryan keeps winning. Uh, I, I finally got over the hurdle, unlike KU in the 2007 season. And But, you know, Derek, the goal is not to get to number one by week three. It's to, to end at number one at the end of the season. So that's the goal remains the same. Well, Jim, you had a very tough loss. How much have you thought about that overtime decision over the weekend? Uh, you know, uh, Derek, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I was filled with the, the rage of about a thousand white hot suns, uh, for a little bit, uh, mostly because of who, who I lost to. Uh, but you know, in the, the last 24 hours, I've actually taken it and become, uh, one with Taoism. So actually everything's very Zen like now. Okay. So, you know, c- couldn't feel better. Well, Zen master Phil Jackson certainly had a lot of success, so we'll see if you can uh, emulate that here. There's also a, a scheduling thing here. Like, Jim, you had the bye week, and then you had the long layoff, too. You had to play last Friday, so you had basically two weeks off in between matchups. Now you have just a couple days between matchups. Uh, Aaron, on the other end, had the bye week last week, so uh, what would you prefer? Would you prefer, Jim, coming off that, that short turnaround, or would you prefer being able to come off well-rested like Aaron or, or like you did last week? Uh, actually, I feel pretty good coming off the short turnaround. So, so I'm, I think I'm ready to roll. 
Well, Aaron, do you feel rusty at all coming off those few weeks, or were you able to use that for extra preparation and practice? Uh, no, I just I, – I studied in bulk this morning. I, I did feel rusty when I started. I feel a lot better now. I, two weeks off, did not, I did not like that. There was a lot of questions I knew from last week's contest that I was just – I was so mad that I had to buy that week, but uh, hopefully the questions go in my favor this week. Okay, well, here's where the things stand in the standings. Just this week and next week, regular season matchups to go. You've both done your buys. You'll have this week and next week of play. Currently, Aaron, you're in first of the division at 2-0 and right now. In second is Kyle, who's going to go on Friday. Uh, he's 2-1. and Jim, you are in third place at 1-1. and So if you win this, you and Aaron would have the same record, and it would actually come down to points because you, Aaron, and Kyle, up until his game Friday, would all have the same record and all have created a triangle of, of beating each other. So a lot on the line in this one. Aaron, though, if you win this one and Kyle were to beat Blake, I believe you would clinch the division, but you obviously won't know on that till later in the week. So a lot on the line in this matchup. And uh, Jim, coming off that tough loss over on Friday, I'm going to give you the option here. Do you want to choose heads or tails on the coin? Uh, let's go tails this time. Maybe it'll be different. All right. Tails it is, but it is heads. So you're the coin does not like you, Jim. I don't know what you did no. to the coin. It is heads. Aaron, uh, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I would like to go first. Okay. Get things done right off the bat after the bye week. No more chomping at the bit. Into the first quarter. This is the easy round. These are worth three points. Aaron, this Jayhawk quarterback led the 2008 team in passing yards and passing touchdowns. What's his name? Todd Reesing. Yep. Probably the most common answer among all the easies, either like that or Mark Mangino. Okay, this one for you, Jim, with Aaron on the board, the first three points. This Jayhawk wide receiver from Pittsburgh, Kansas, led the 2008 team in receptions with 97. What's his name? Kerry Meyer. Yep. That's been a common one here as well. And two easy knockdowns for the both of you. All right. Three to three of the score. We head into the second quarter. Medium questions are worth six points. Aaron, after peaking at number 13 in the AP poll, Kansas suffered its first loss of the 2008 season in a Friday night road game to what Big East opponent 37-34? South Florida. That's right. South Florida, USF would have been an acceptable way of saying it as well. I think Matt Grothy was the quarterback for USF and uh, did uh, big things against the KU defense. They kind of let that one slip away from their fingers. Okay, that's six points for you. Take a nine to three lead. Jim, this one to you to tie it headed into the halftime break. Kansas lost its 2010 season opener, the first game of the Turner Gill era, to what FCS opponent? North Dakota State. Yeah, I don't know if either of you guys were at that game. I was not, but I do not envy anyone who was. Six to three. Uh, I, I was, and it was as bad as you probably imagine it was. Yes, I was there too. That was yeah. rough. All right, yeah. you guys can share the misery on that one. So far, no misery with the questions here. Nine to nine the score. We head to the second half of play. Back to you, Aaron, into the hard round in the third quarter. These are worth seven points. What running back? led the 1992 Kansas Jayhawks with over a 1,000 scrimmage yards and 12 touchdowns to help the team that finished ranked 22nd in the AP poll. 
Uh, I believe that's Tony Sands. That is not Tony Sands. The correct answer there is Maurice Douglas. Maurice Douglas kind of squeaked right in between uh, some of those other great KU running backs. All right, Jim, you got an opportunity here. What Jayhawk receiver was whistled for offensive pass interference imploring Mark Mangino's dollar signs comments in the 2004 matchup with Texas? Charles Gordon. Uh, You knew that right off the bat. That's a big one there. And Jim takes a 16-9 to lead headed into the fourth quarter. We'll head to the really hard round. These are going to be worth eight points. Okay, Aaron, for you, you got to hit this one to stay alive, but if you do, it would give you the lead. Kansas set a school record for most points in a half with 49 of them in a 1912 game against St. Mary's. They later matched that with 49 points in the first half of a 1998 game against who? Uh, shot in dark here. Um, gosh dang it. Go ball state. You had the state part right in it. The correct answer is Illinois State. Illinois State. That's a tough one there. All right, so we now have drama in the Monday division as just like that, Jim, you have secured the win here with uh, 16 points, but you've got a chance for a perfect score. You've got a chance for a really hard question. Both of those go into our uh, Heisman voting as well, and obviously the tiebreaker with points is going to be pretty huge here with you, Aaron, and Kyle all kind of beating up on each other. So, Jim, for you, Kansas matched their school record for points in a half with 49, that same number that they got against St. Mary's in Illinois State. They did it again in 2004 against who? Ten seconds. Damn. Uh, 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 Missouri State. Correct answer is Toledo. The Toledo Rockets dropped 49 on them there. So, Jim, you come out with the victory 16 to 9. Aaron, the the, the question order there, would you have known the answer to either the Charles Gordon or the Toledo ones? I knew Charles Gordon, and I knew in 2004 we beat Tulsa and Toledo, so I would have guessed one of those two. So, yeah, that sucked for me. That's very unfortunate. Um, Jim, on the other end, did you know the Maurice Douglas one or the Illinois State one? Uh, I knew Illinois State. Oh, really? Okay. So that's actually interesting. I was there. Okay. So, I don't know. I guess maybe, who knows? It might have come down to if the, the order was reversed and... He got the Charles Gordon. You might have hit the Illinois State to win. I guess it would have just come down to whether he would have guessed Tulsa or Toledo there. So that is a tight victory. Aaron, you still have an opportunity headed into the final week of the season to try to get a win. But obviously, you know, you're going to be rooting against Jim and, and rooting against Kyle here over the, the next couple of weeks. So what are kind of your emotions after this matchup? I'm not upset. I, I think 
points wise, I'm still in the driver's seat. So I just need to take care of business. Uh, even if I don't go to the, the college playoff, I want to get to a bowl game. So I'm going to keep studying. Uh, I had a lot of, I, I've been watching old games on the weekends too. And that's just really fun watching games I've never seen before from like the nineties and eighties. So uh, once again, I love this trivia. It, it makes me a better fan. And, and uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep working hard and see if we can get to a bowl game. Well, yeah, Aaron, to your point, you do now have you have 49 points through the three matchups. You, Jim, and Kyle are all two and one. Uh, Jim would be in second with 45. Kyle would be in third with 41 through three matchups each. So you did have that that little cushion that you could have a, a loss and, and still collect some points here today. Now you don't have the cushion, but you're right. You do have the, the points tiebreaker there. So, Jim, you get a huge win here. You had to have this to stay alive to try to win the division. What's your excitement level, especially coming off that tough loss on Friday? Uh, you know, it's it, it pretty high. Uh, it, again, I, I'm going to uh, use my, my newfound uh, Zen, like whatever. So, you know, and just call it good. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And, uh, you know, looking forward, I kind of, I kind of want to keep rolling. So. All right. Well, that was good stuff, guys. And uh, good luck in your final matchup next week. Certainly a lot's going to be on the line. Perfect. Thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you. All right, that was our only trivia matchup of the day. We are brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, and 23rd Street Brewery. Aaron Mayer, the number one team, goes down. So I guess we're going to have a new number one next week. That was tough. I, I did wonder if the Charles Gordon question was a little easier than the Maurice Douglas one. It's just that like Charles Gordon comes to mind more because he's newer and, and more of a notable player with being a two-way player and everything. But also, it's man, you could pick from any receiver. There's no context to who it is that got the offensive pass interference. You either just know that one or you don't. Um, but, you know, Jim would have got the Illinois State, so maybe that kind of balanced out and, and worked out. Certainly both people, if either one goes to a bowl game or wins the division, are going to be uh, very deserving. And Aaron still uh, slightly sits in the driver's seat right now in that three-way tie in the Monday group. Blake McFarland can kind of insert his way with a win over uh, Kyle coming up on Friday. Kyle would have an opportunity to, because he has a bye week in the last week, if he beats Blake, then he'll be sitting at 3-1 and one headed into last week just rooting against other teams. So the Monday division will certainly be interesting. We'll have two more matchups coming up tomorrow in the Tuesday division. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk Trivia on RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till 5, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we've got a bunch of KU football audio to give you on the other side with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. We haven't even addressed this, by the way. I think it's funny that, you know, I obviously used to do this show with Nick Schwert. We've gone to another Nick, both <laughs> with the same last, uh, first initial uh, of the last name there. Um, but it is a Monday, and we have gotten back to the NFL season, at least sort of. You know, I'm not, like, overly in love with preseason football. It just doesn't feel right. It's not the same thing, right? But yeah. it does at least provide us with some opportunities to overreact on a Monday, so we're going to start up another season of our NFL Monday overreactions here. Uh, the first one I had, Kenny Pickett, legit. He looked good out there. Now, it's kind of funny because a lot of times when you have these these rookie quarterbacks or guys who are competing, like, heck, I remember like Brady Quinn looked really good because he's going against second or third string defense. And for Kenny Pickett, he's not always going up against the first string defense. Like, they're, they're doing this quarterback competition with Mitch Trubisky and... Uh, with Mason Rudolph, and, you know, you're not going to get all the looks that you would expect in preseason ball, so we'll wait and see. But if we're to overreact on the Monday, Kenny Pickett is the best quarterback on the Steelers, and Kenny Pickett, best quarterback in the draft class? Question mark? 
I mean, he was uh, drafted high. It, it's not a great quarterback draft class to do that with. Yeah, honest. that's true. I mean, I, I guess considering that, if it's not the greatest quarterback right, draft how about class, this? He could be say, you could say he's the best. I'm going to take the overreaction a little further. Okay. Uh, Kenny Pickett will be better than Zach Wilson, who had a bad preseason week one. I think that could potentially be true, if nothing else, just because of the fact that the Steelers are an organization that they are the epitome of consistency. They are the epitome of... You know, I, I don't. They haven't gone under 500 with Mike Tomlin as their head coach. I don't think. No. You know? they so, so when you look at it from that standpoint, maybe it's not necessarily because Kenny Pickett's better, like a more talented than Zach Wilson, but he's in a much better situation if you look at it from that standpoint. And it could be that could be true. That could be true. Yeah, that that's important to bring up. Like the Jets have just not <laughs> been able to handle things in the past. And yeah, you're right. I mean, Pittsburgh is the epitome of consistency as far as an organization goes. So that that certainly helps. And you look at the just the weapons around him. Like, yeah. I, I know Pittsburgh doesn't have Juju anymore, but you still have uh, a lot invested at those other positions, right? Najee Harris at, at the running back position, a receiver. Like Chase Claypool was, what, a second or third round pick? Yeah. Uh, George Pickens was a second round pick. Uh, I mean, you have... Uh, Deontay Johnson obviously has has turned into something interesting there at the receiver position. Um, tight end Pat Fryermuth was a high run pick. Like they've invested in weapons for the quarterback. The Jets, it's like, oh, we have Elijah Moore and <laughs> signed Corey Davis, and yeah, I guess we used uh, a high pick on Brees Hall. Uh, I don't know. You just don't really love what's going on there. But yeah, Wilson struggled. He threw a really bad interception to a linebacker. Uh, he had the injury, which people yeah, were wondering. He, they thought it tore his ACL. Yeah, yeah and I think it, it ended like up being did. what, like PCL, something yeah. like that. So he's only going to be out for uh, a handful of weeks. But I don't think that's crazy at this point to, like you said, because of the surrounding forces that he could end up being better there than Zach Wilson. But also I think Zach Wilson's like two years younger, which is probably interesting to know there. Um, okay, how about this NFL Monday overreaction? Matt Ariza is the greatest punter of all time. I'm all in on this one. Okay. All in. Oh God, baby. We need to bring back great punting. I mean, this is this is like if Pat McAfee and I don't know somebody had a baby yeah. and produced Matt Ariza. Like Pat McAfee and like the Hulk. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I couldn't even. I was trying to think. Of, I like. I don't even know what. Couldn't even like think. Ronaldo. Of <laughs> yeah, but no. This is this is fantastic. I mean, this guy he has a nuke for a leg. It's incredible. It's crazy. And I'm I'm all in on it. I'm I I love punting. We should have more punting, more punting, except well, for the Chiefs. The Chiefs, no. Yeah, no Everybody punting. else, go for it. Go for it every time on fourth down. Um, <laughs> if you missed the clip, he, he basically had like an 80-yard punt. And it was weird to begin with because he had such a legendary college football season as a punter. Yes. He put up all these like 80-yard punts. He was averaging, you know, NCAA records for average yards per punt and shattering school records at San Diego State and everything. And then he ended up not even being taken the first punter taken in the <laughs> NFL draft, which is like the weirdest thing ever because it was like, this guy is such, so good of a punter that maybe it's not even crazy well, for him to be a third-round pick. I, I couldn't even name another college punter. No. I couldn't tell you another college punter. No. So how is anybody getting drafted above this guy? Yeah, it is It is insane how far he can boot it. And I think the, the logic there was, well, he can kick it really far, but can he kick it accurately? But, like, you looked at his yeah. numbers of being able to pin it inside the 20. Like, those were great as well. And it, it becomes very interesting. I, I know The Ringer wrote an article about this, I, I think, about a year ago when he was really – getting it going at San Diego State, Matt Ariza, and it was the idea of, like, what is the perfect punter worth? You know, if, if you could guarantee that every punt would be inside the opponent's 20, like, is that worth a first-round pick? Like, honestly, like, it sounds stupid. It does, but they were they went through some of the data, and it was like, 
teams only score on X percentage of drives when they have to start inside their own 15-yard line or inside their own 20-yard line. And if you compare that to defenses, if you only allowed opponents to score on that percentage of plays, you would be the number one defense in the NFL. So in theory, if you have a punter that can do that every drive, isn't that worth like a huge amount of... I think in the modern NFL, it's not so much. But I mean, imagine if this guy was around in like the seventies or eighties. They, they would be. <laughs> he would they, be. They'd be the, he'd be the best player in the league. Yeah, <laughs> he'd be the best player in the league. Hey, get some MVP votes. That would be wonderful. But yeah, uh, he is the best. I mean, he's the best punter uh, yeah. already. I think he's a rookie. I, I'm ready to go there. I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. Mac Jones was listed as the 85th best player in the NFL Top 100. My Monday overreaction. That's going to be the worst ranking that will happen during that list this year. I, I don't understand that one at all. I mean, he didn't. By the way, Justin Tucker was ranked as a kicker. I that saw that. He was ranked, yeah. but he was ranked below Mac Jones. Yes, he Wouldn't was. Wouldn't you put Justin Tucker above Mac Jones? Oh, that's a good question. Because, again, like the quarterback is just inherently has more value, but yeah. Justin Tucker is better at what he does than Mac Jones is. By far. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I mean, to me, Mac Jones is. Like, I'm I not mean, sure he's a top 20 quarterback. I, yeah, he's. He might. He's, he's, a, he's Kirk Cousins light. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna he's not gonna win you any games, but he's probably not gonna lose you any games per se. It's like is that really a top one hundred player? No, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think so. Yeah. So I have to agree with you on that one. There'll be some ones where it's weird. I, I, I know it. There'll be, you know, somebody'll be ranked forty and it's like that should be a top ten player or something <laughs> like that. But yeah, that one was really, really odd to me. Uh how about this? George is gonna go down as the greatest first name of the 2022 NFL Draft. George Karloftis played really well. He had a couple quarterback hits. He had a sack. Uh, the other quarterback hit that he had where he just bull rushed the offensive tackle into the quarterback, forced the incompletion. He looked really good. And George Pickens, who had been getting all sorts of hype over the offseason for the Steelers in camp, he went out, had a big touchdown grab, like was a really tough grab in the corner of the end zone, somehow gets his feet in. He had the one clip that kind of went viral of him run blocking as a receiver, and he just shoves the guy to the ground like, five yards out of screen, George is going to be the best name of the 2022 so draft. My initial question here is, did you do any research on any other <laughs> names? Not. Any other no. names in the draft? I mean, what no, if there's it's a like... quick fire over What if there's like... <laughs> What if there's like 10 Johns in the draft that are just all turn out to be all pro players? Or I, I'm, I'm concerned about the level of research that was put into this one. I mean, how yeah. are there, there's got to be other names that are that are have more guys that could potentially challenge this this idea that that George is the best. I mean, it's a it's a fair criticism. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. You said the name John. There's John Mechie, John Ridgeway, John Fitzpatrick. That's okay, three about, of those. Uh, I don't like. Uh, it's like a common name. Greg. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. <laughs> There's Gregory. Some guy's who, name who is, is the... Gregory. His last name is Junior. His first name's Gregory. That's confusing. <laughs> He'd walk into a room and be like, "Hey, what's your name? Oh, I'm Gregory Junior." Or like, like uh, "Oh, can I just call you Greg?" And it's like, "Yeah, well, that's my first name. Well, why'd you say Junior?" <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to think of like some of the who were the, the top, top picks, picks in the draft. Yeah, some of the top picks in the draft. Let's like, see. We got uh, Trayvon Walker. I don't think there's going to be a ton of Trayvons. Aiden Hutchinson, okay. which, you know. That's Maybe. Yeah. Derek Stingley. Though there could be a lot of Derricks. Yeah. There could, could be a lot of Derricks. Be. No, he's the only one. Really? I mean, the Sauce Gardner. He's going to be the only Sauce. <laughs> uh, yeah, but what if he's the best player of all time? Then, he, then he's yeah, obviously he's obviously the best, the greatest name of the draft. I don't know, man. Kayvon Thibodeau, like Ikum, Ikwonu, yeah. Evan Neal. There might oh, be there some, some other some Evans. Evans. Yeah. No, he's the only. Well, no, I take that back. There's uh, multiple Evans, but all of the other Evans are Evan is last name, so I don't uh, know if that counts. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think we can count that. 
Hmm. There's really only one. I, I'm still stuck Drake on London. How is there only one guy named Derek in the whole entire NFL draft? Oh, here's one. Chris. That's got to be common. Chris Olave. Okay. Now everybody else is like Christian. Oh, there's a Chris Paul. Christian might be the one. There's a lot of Christians in there. Okay. There's Christian Watson, yep. Christian Harris, linebacker, third-round pick. Obviously, Watson could have a good career with Green Bay. Yep. Christian Benford, sixth-round pick corner. Christian Holmes, seventh-round pick corner. Christian Matthew, seventh-round pick corner. See, I think Christian. if you're looking for straight value here, you you want to pick, pick the name with the pick the name with the most numbers, right? If you're looking, if you're just looking for straight, because if you got enough dudes, surely you know enough of them will be good enough to where you could make the argument that they're the best in the draft. Jalen's a low key one. Jalen Peter, second round safety, uh, third round receiver Jalen Tolbert, and sixth round receiver Jalen Naylor. But I don't know. I'm just gonna stick with George without doing any more research on this. Okay. George Pickens. I don't know. It seems like a lot of times receivers, the best in the draft class, goes second or third round. What if that ends up being George Pickens? And then yeah. George Kalafis, ten year pro. Racks up 80 sacks for the Chiefs or something in the decade. I'll take George. I'm, I'm taking the field on this one. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking every, any, everybody else's names. Uh, last one, Lamar Jackson is going to have his best year yet. He uh, apparently is up 18 pounds of muscle. Now, this is best shape of your life season. We talked earlier about, like, Frank Clark and, and how much does that really <laughs> ever mean. Probably not. But with this one, I can sort of get on board with it meaning at least a little bit of something because this is a quarterback who takes a lot of hits, runs a lot. I would imagine that helps him make him more durable and more of a, a runner that can get through the season. Obviously, he had all sorts of injuries last season. He's also in a contract year. A lot of times you see guys really go off in contract years. I think this is going to be – doesn't mean he's going to win MVP, you know, because there's other factors that go into that, like the narrative yeah. game and who else performed well that year. But I think this is going to be the best season of Lamar Jackson. I, I am leaning towards agreeing with you for a couple different reasons. The Ravens had the worst case of injuries, I think, any team has ever had in recent history last year, right? That the running back position, they had they had three running backs, I think, go down <laughs> last season. So I think the, the collective healthiness of the Ravens as a whole, plus Lamar coming in, and, and you know, I, I like Lamar. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like him, but... I like him. I think he's a he's an exciting player. He's fun to watch. And if he's stronger and more durable, he's only going to be scrambling more, making more plays. So the combination of that plus, again, as long as the Ravens cannot get hit with what they got hit last year in terms of injuries, I mean, I could I could buy into this. I, I could buy into this one. Okay. So maybe not that much of an overreaction. He is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is the uh, NFL Monday overreactions. We've got some KU football audio to share with you coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.